Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. And here we go into Revelation chapter 10. Are you ready for what is coming our way very, very soon? Are we prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ? All that's going on in this world is preparing us to get ready for what's coming and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we're in Revelation chapter 10 today, the angel and the little scroll. And this is really a commercial break, just like what happened back in chapter 7 when we saw the seven seals. Right between the sixth and the seventh seal, we saw that in chapter 7, there was a commercial break and we saw what was going on in heaven. All this craziness in earth was going on, but in heaven, it was a whole different thing. And it was a contrast. In contrast to the bewilderment on earth and the craziness on earth, there was cheering in heaven. <laughs> Crying on earth, cheering in heaven. And it was God saying, I'm still in control. The good guys are winning and we're going to win. Sometimes when we're in the trenches, sometimes when we're going through trials, sometimes when we're going through life's tribulations, we forget that God is in control and that the angels and the saints are watching us in this reality show and cheering us on as Christians, cheering on the Christians. Now, between, now we come here to chapter 10 and between the 6th and 7th trumpets, the first time it was between the 6th and 7th seals, this is time between the 6th and 7th trumpet which is the middle of the tribulation, we go to, to a view of heaven once again. We see heaven once again. And uh, we, we, it's almost like saying God, God, it's almost like God saying, catch your breath. Catch your breath before we go to the next phase of craziness. Catch your breath. And it's more encouragement for us, really. This is encouragement for us and for those who are going through the great tribulation. Us going through our tribulations, but this will be a great encouragement for those going through the great tribulation. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that no matter what is going on in our life, no matter what's going on in this crazy world, that you are in control and you are working your plan and, and you give us this encouragement. I just pray that we would have hope and encouragement seeing what's going on in heaven every day but also what will be going on right in the middle of the tribulation. We pray that, Lord, for everyone who's going through life's tribulations, that we see that God is still in control. We can still have hope. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read Revelation chapter 10. I'm going to do the whole chapter, 11 verses. <clears throat> then I saw another mighty, mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hands. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up the seven what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, and the earth and all that is in them, and the sea and all that is in them, and said, There will be no more delay, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants and the prophets, 
Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. I will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So we see this uh, in verses 1 through 4, we see this mighty angel. I'm just going to read him again. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted the right, his right foot on the sea and on his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voice, voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. <clears throat> so we see a mighty angel showing up here with a little scroll. A big angel with a little scroll. <laughs> Standing on the earth and the sea. It's a message to the whole world. That's a picture of a message to the whole world. The whole world can hear him. It's loud. The seven peals of thunder. The voices of seven thunders. Um, whether it's his voice or whether it's the seven, uh, the spirit, sevenfold spirit. Uh, whatever. It's, it's loud. It's peals of thunder. We don't know what was said, but we know maybe it was, we don't know what was said, but Perhaps it was seven more judgments. We don't know. But he wasn't allowed to write. John was not allowed to write down what was said. That's the only time in the book of Revelation that Revelation is blocked. He wasn't allowed to write this. God has not revealed everything there is to know in the Bible. There's a lot more things that there that, that we can know and that we will know someday, but they were not written in the Bible. Things about the future, things about judgments, good things written. Not everything is in the Bible, but everything that God wants us to know right now on this planet Earth is there, but there's a lot more to know someday. We we There's a lot more. We just know the tip of the iceberg. In fact, here's a couple of verses that talk about this very thing. 1 John 3, 1 to, 1 to 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as God is pure. So it says that we... we we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. We don't know fully what's gonna, what we're going to be. We just know we're going to be like Him. That's all we know for sure. That's all God has showed us. In 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4, it says this. 2 Corinthians 2, 2, uh, 12, 2-4, it says this. If I know a man... He's, Paul is talking about himself in the third person here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to how? So Paul was given a revelation in heaven that he wasn't allowed. Paul written many books of the Bible, given much of the revelation. Amazing what Paul has given us through the Holy Spirit uh, leading. But but he was there are things that he was not allowed to tell. They're in heaven. And so we know that happens. And also in 1 Corinthians 
2. In 1 Corinthians 2, back up to verse 2, verse 9, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. No, you can, we can't imagine. We haven't been told fully and we can't imagine what God has prepared for us. We just know God, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He's going to come and take us to be with Him that we may be where He is. And, and that's all we know, but there's so much that we don't know. We just, the Bible is just the tip of the iceberg, uh, uh, about you know, God and, and, and His wisdom and His knowledge. We couldn't handle anymore. I would know I was at Bible college and seminary. My mind was ready to explode just to study in the Bible that we have, the knowledge that we have. And I just know a little bit of it really compared to what's really there. But we will have all eternity, all eternity to, to know God and to know His wisdom fully. And, uh, and it still won't be long enough. Eternity still won't be long enough. We'll never fully know all there is about God. He's, he's unfastable. Did I say that right? Anyway, we'll never get there. Uh, a lot won't, and a lot won't make sense until we do get to heaven. A lot of things that we live by faith right now, we live by faith, accept them by faith. For now, that's, that will make sense when we get to heaven. The answers will be all the questions will be answered. All the questions will be answered. The whys, all these whys that we have, they will make sense when we get to heaven. But we're going to have to wait till we get there. Also, if we could, if we could read God's whole battle plan, he, he blocked this up. You know, he told John, "You can't." The angel said, "You're not allowed to write this down. You're not allowed to share this." This may be God's plan for the the end times that God doesn't want the enemy to know. He doesn't want. If if we could read it, guess who else could read it? Satan. And so he doesn't want us to know that. Think of war. In war, you have secret plans. You don't tell the reporters. You definitely don't tell the reporters. You don't tell people. You don't, you don't, because you don't want it to get out to the enemy. And this, that's what God does too. This must drive the, this passage here in, in Revelation 10 must drive the devil crazy. What did he say? What did he say? Uh, and, and because Satan studies the Word of God so that he can twist it. Yes, that's right. Satan knows the Word of God and he uses the Word of God, but he twists it. That's what he did with Eve in the garden. That's what he did with Jesus. He tried to, to tempt him three times. He quoted the word of God three times, but then he twisted it. And Jesus called him out on it and said, I'm not, I don't fall for your lies. But that's what happens with the cults. Cults take 90% of what the cults say is true. They take the Bible, but then they twist some of it. That's what happens with false teachers. They twist some of it. That's what you see with these this whole word of faith movement and all these faith Faith people on TV, they, they twist the Word of God. 90% of what they say is the Word, but then they just twist that 10% to try to get more money and try to dis- manipulate people. And that's what, that's what Satan does. He twists the Word of God. And, and, and so th- it must make him crazy but that he can't figure this out. And that's what happened with the cross and the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection is very clear in the Bible now. <laughs> Now reading back, we can see it very clearly. Jesus was going to die on the cross. He was going to resurrect from the dead. That was God's plan all along. But it was fuzzy until he fulfilled it. And then he was able to say to his apostles, Hey, look, this is what I fulfilled. And this is what I fulfilled. And this is what I fulfilled. They didn't see it until after when Jesus was able to go back and show them. It was a mystery. It was a puzzle before Jesus arrived and died and resurrected from the dead. And why? Because Jesus, God had to keep it. But secret. He had to make sure that Satan couldn't 
figure out what he's going to do and try to block what he's going to do. In fact, First uh, Corinthians, we just read First Corinthians 2.9, back up one verse, First Corinthians 2.8, talking about this very thing. He says, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the demonic powers had known that crucifying Jesus was going to result in the resurrection and their defeat, Colossians 2.15, them being, you know, rendered powerless, declawed, detoothed, defeated, utter crushing defeat. If they knew that, they would have crucified him. But that was God's plan. And he kept it secret from them. It was a mystery. Okay, so then we go back to Revelation 10. We see that he didn't, he didn't show this whole thing here. But we go back to Revelation 10. And we see in verses 5 to 7... Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in them, the sea and all that is in them and said there will be no more delay but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets. No more delay. Time is up. Time is up. That's it. There's no more delay. In fact, uh, we, we know for, from 2 Peter, listen to the contrast, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 to 10, where it says here, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, while the, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. God is patient right this moment. God is patient waiting for us to come to faith, people to come to faith. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Woof! It's going to hit hard. We're going to see the book of Revelation fulfilled here. God's patience here in Revelation has finally run out. It's We're halfway through the, the tribulation, three and a half years into it. The doomsday clock is definitely clicking. We know definitely we're halfway. It's almost over now. The, the great, late great planet Earth is almost finished. Evil, Satan, uh, his followers on Earth, finished. It's completely finished. <clears throat> and then we see what happens next in Ver- Revelation 10, verse 8. In Revelation 10, verse 8, where it says, Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, You must prophesy again about many people peoples, nations, languages, and kings. And we see that the little scroll that he's told to eat, that the little scroll is God's word. It's God's revelation to John. All right, And John is told to eat it. That's a description from in the Bible often and from this whole time period that, that, that when you were talking about receiving knowledge, you would eat it. You would eat the knowledge. And that was from that Bible time. And in the Bible, we see the same thing. That's where we get the, the concept of devouring a book. He devoured the book. You know, the idea is you're receiving that knowledge. And then he was told to prophesy. Before we can proclaim God's word, before we can pro- really preach it prophetically, we must digest it. 
We must digest it. Until then, it's going to have little impact. Until we read God's word and we let it digest, digest it and really make it part of us, that's when we can preach the word. That's when we can witness powerfully. That's when we can witness effectively with the word is after we've impact, digested it. I remember when I was just starting out preaching, I didn't know the Bible very well. And, and, and as a result, I could, some of my sermons could be pretty boring. I, I would, we used to go out and practice when I was out milking the cows for my dad. I would out, be out practicing my sermon while I'm milking the cows. And my dad made me quit because all the cows went dry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but for sure, once I really studied the Word and digested the Word, it changed how I could preach and, and how I could witness and how I could counsel. We must know the Word. I remember memorizing thousands of Bible verses and, and one at a time, memorizing and let it just sink into my mind and sink into my heart and meditating on it and living it. And, and once I had done that with these Bible verses, and I just did one a week. I started out with one a week, one a week. Over time, one a week becomes... 50 a year times 10 years becomes 500. And over the years, it just starts to, 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 to be part of us. <clears throat> That's all it takes. Start with one a week. Memorize it. Start now one a week and digest it. And that will give... that. Once I did that, I, it was amazing how I could preach differently. It, because it, verses would just come to me as I'm preaching. How I could counsel people. Because I wasn't giving them my opinion. Uh, verses would just come to me. The Holy Spirit would bring them to my mind. And I would use the Word of God to counsel. Witnessing. Uh, once again, the Holy Spirit would just bring the verses that I needed at just the right time to share my share the faith, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, share the truth, apologetics, share the truth with people. Nothing like reading and memorizing and digesting the Word of God. And notice something here. He says it's sweet and sour. Sweet and sour. Uh, you have heard of sweet and sour rolls? Well, this is sweet and sour scrolls. Sweet and sour scrolls. It was sweet to John because God was finishing his prophetic work. He was fulfilling his plan. It was sweet when John, John, sweet to him, but it, but it turned bitter in his stomach because then he was going to have to preach this. And it, it was bitter to the world. It was judgment. It was holy indignation that John was going to, going to have to preach now. Don't expect what is sweet to you to be to be sweet to the world. No, no, no. What is sweet to you uh, is not going to make you popular with the world. It's, it's not going to do that with the world. It's going to do just the opposite as John's going to experience it. Sweet to him. Taste it sweet. But it was bitter as he had to prophesy because it was bitter to the world. And, and don't just expect that to happen. In fact, in 1 Corinthians uh, in First Corinthians one we've been in 1 Corinthians a little bit here, in verse 18 it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To the world it's foolish, to us it's power. And that's what the, that's what the Word of God does. It, it, it makes what we love, turns, turns the world against, you know, the world is against it. it it's bitter to them. They don't want to hear it. Uh, not talking about those who are coming to Christ, being called by Christ, you know, predestined to accept the gospel. I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about those who, who aren't. It's bitter to them. One of the hardest things about preaching is is I love God's word, but I know it's going to make some people mad. If I truly preach God's word, I love it. I love it, but I know it's going to tick off some people. Carnal Christians in the congregation, it's going to turn off some people who come to, to check out the church, but they're not really being led by the Spirit, just kind of checking this God thing out. But those those who are really led by the Spirit, 
It doesn't matter what I preach from the God, God's Word. They're going to come back. Some people say, why did you preach it? I just invited my neighbor and you talked about hell today. Why did you do that? I'm like, if the Holy Spirit's really drawing them, they're going to come back no matter what. If I preach from God's Word, whatever I preach, Holy Spirit-inspired Word, they're going to come back. They're going to come back. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to, I'm not talking about being mean with it, you know, preach the truth in love, you know, uh, speak the truth in love, as it says in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love. But I have to speak the truth, but I got to do it in love. It, it can't be the way I say it, can't turn people off. But it doesn't matter what, if I speak it in a loving, compassionate way, what Whatever I say in the Bible, whether it's hell itself, preaching about hell. Jesus preached on hell 27 times. He talked about hell more than heaven. It, it, but if someone is being drawn by the Holy Spirit, they will come back again. They will be convicted. If they're coming in the flesh, they won't be. They'll be driven out. They'll be judged. But if they're coming because the Holy Spirit is drawing them, Jesus is calling them, they will come and come back again and come back again and, and put their faith in Jesus Christ. But, 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 I know many times what I preach is going to is going to upset people and that's hard. That's hard to do. But just as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20 verses 8 and 9, he says, Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. And so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He said, every time I open my mouth, I tick people off. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. He's preaching prophetically here. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. The guy was thrown into muddy pits. He was thrown into prison. He was almost killed. Uh, but but if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, like a fire in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. He says, it's fire in my bones. It's fire in my heart. It's got to come out. But I know what it's going to do. It's going to upset people. And that's a hard thing to do. But But it's very important to understand that about God's word that it's sweet to us and it's sweet to those who who he's calling to faith but to those who who are carnal it's going to tick them off it's going to tick them off the Christians even Christians, carnal Christians worldly Christians it ticks them off and and they're going to go look for where they're not going to hear the word of God preached in a convicting way not going to hear the word of God preached like fire they're not going to hear the word of God preached prophetically but 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 especially and even even more those who are not true Christians will leave those who are not interested in the true faith will leave your church if you preach the Word of God faithfully. You speak the truth in love. They'll leave. And whenever they hear it, you know they'll be mad at what you say because you're preaching the Word of God. You're witnessing the Word of God. And that's very important to understand that. That's what John experienced. It was sweet to him, but it was bitter in his stomach because he's going to have to preach it prophetically now to the people of the world that had turned against Jesus Christ. Are you eating the Word of God? Are you eating it? Are you memorizing it? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it sweet? Is it changing you? Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Uh, before the Word of God can, can change us and impact others, it has to, we must absorb it. We must digest it. How about are we eating God's Word? In Arian Jaya, I talked to someone who was a, had missionary children in Arian Jaya, and they said when they, they, when they translated to them the Bible, they said, you, you don't talk about 
reading God's Word. You talk about eating God's Word. That's the translation in Irian Jaya. You have to eat God's Word. I never forgot that. I, I wrote that down. Are we, are we eating God's Word? Many of us don't because we have the wrong mindset about the Bible. We see it as granola cereal, you know. It's, it's kind of dry. I know it's good for me, but it's kind of dry, you know. But, and, and so many Christians have this, this mindset. George Barna said most Christians, 90% have a Bible, but only, uh, 20, only 18, I'm going to read the actual quote. Uh, 93% of Americans own a Bible, but half never read it. And even those who are born-again Christians, very few, only 20, 18% read every day. Only 18% every day. What if you only ate food? Uh, what if you only you didn't eat every day? What if you didn't eat every day? Forget three times a, 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 a day. What if you didn't eat every day? How, how, what kind of health food do you be in? But only 18% eat the Word of God every day. That means we have very unhealthy Christians. You want to know why only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview? Because we don't read the Bible. We don't read the Bible. And, and, I, and I always encourage people, uh, try it. You'll like it. Like Mikey with a cereal. Try it. You'll like it. In fact, you're going to find out it's awesome. It's addictive to read it. God uses here in chapter 10, Revelation 10, honey. Tasted like honey. It's often used to describe the Bible that way. Psalm 19.10. Psalm 19.10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, yea, than much fine gold, and sweeter than sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. It says the Bible is sweeter than honey, but more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. That's the word of God. Now, I, I like honey. like honey a lot. Uh, I buy it from Bob all the time. A lot of you know Bob Cunningham. I buy honey from him all the time. He, he, he's a beekeeper. Joshua, our son Joshua, drinks the stuff. He drinks it. But in biblical times, it was even more valuable because they didn't have sugar like we have sugar. Honey was it. Honey was it. They, and it was hard to get. You had to get stung by bees and it was so sweet. It was amazing. Now we have sugar. We have candy everywhere. We all Americans crave sugar. <coughs> it's part of being a Wilson. But anyway, I have a box of candy in my office right over there. And everybody knows. They come to visit, walk right in, grab some candy. You know, kids... Our kids don't really care. They had it. They don't really care. It's one of those things about when you can always get it, it's not like, oh, I got to have it. But but we still eat candy, sugar. Uh, it's part of being a Wilson. Got it from my dad. And uh, so, but, but people love to come into, you know, college students, whoever, adults, old people come in. The first thing they do, veer into my office, grab a piece of candy. I have lots of different kinds of candy. Thank you, Aunt Rosie. Uh, lots of different candy. That, but everybody wants Candy, we, we sugar, we like sugar, we just do, right? That's the attitude that we should have with God's word. The God's word, just as we crave that candy bar, we should crave God's word. Very, very, you know, that's what, the same thing we have. But we need the right study method. So many people use faulty methods, and then they wonder why they don't grow, why they're not excited about God's word. You know, hit and miss. I'll just open the Bible. Wherever it opens, I'm going to read it. Oh, then I'm going to read that. Come on. Oh, or I'm going to apply it. Oh, Judas hung himself. Whoa, whoa. You know, don't just read and apply something. You know, we have to study God's word. In China, they actually, uh, they actually force feed ducks. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a common practice in China, they actually force feed the ducks. But what they found in China, because they force feed the ducks, they have this little funnel and they pour the grain in and they make them eat it and so it's a, long, it's a whole process in China. But, uh, but the crazy thing is what they found is 
after doing this, the farmers that use this practice, what they found is the ducks can't eat for themselves. They'll put a pan of food out and they won't eat it because they're waiting to be force-fed the food. They actually starve to death. Ducks will starve to death. If the farmer forgets to force-feed them after they've used this method, they starve to death because they don't. They won't go eat. They're waiting to be force-fed. That's about the majority of Christians. I mean, nobody here who's listening to this, but you might know people like that. They never read their Bible. They just wait for the pastor to stuff them full on a Sunday. And if they show up at all, or if they watch it all every couple of weeks, they'll show up and get force-fed. And then, But they're starving the rest of the time. Christians are starving the rest of the time. No, 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 no. That's not how the way it works. We, we have to eat. We have to learn to eat eat. We have to learn to feed ourselves if we really want to grow. And and producing honey is hard. It, it's honey, but you got to extract the honey out of the Word of God. It's sweeter than honey, but you got to extract it. Beekeepers, Bob the beekeeper, you ever watch him do his honey thing? It's hard work. He's got to extract the honey out of that honeycomb. It's a lot of hard work. And we have to do the same thing. It's awesome, but we have to extract that honey in order if we're going to eat it. But it, It's hard work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's a treasure. Prayer. We have to start off with prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide us when we study God's Word. Then we have to read it. I encourage people to read one book at a time. It's great to read Genesis through Revelation. Read it all through. You know, just read it. You know, read it. But but there also has to be study time. You take a book of the Bible and you just dig in. Just dig in. One book at a time. Uh, then to study it, you got to cross-reference. There's all these... you got a good study Bible with all the cross-references. But if you have memorized verses, you should... Every verse you read should remind you of some other verses. The Bible is completely connected, interconnected. Genesis through Revelation, interconnected. I'll read a passage and a hundred verses will come to me. The Holy Spirit will bring them to me. Verses I've memorized and meditated on and digested. All right, uh, And, and it, it's unbelievable. You have cross-reference and take, write notes and have a pen and a highlighter and write in the margins and, and, and do searches on your computer for, for a deeper study of it. And then memorize the verses. Nothing more important than memorizing the Word. God. Take it slow, a verse a week. Put it into a song. Memorize. I can't memorize that. Where do you live? Yeah, you knew that. What's your phone number? Oh, you know that. You can do it. You can do it. It takes repetition. All right? Uh, And so memorizing is very, very important. I remember I once was uh, a a family of of, uh, young people. I was a youth pastor at the time. And they were all, they all, they were born with a, a genetic eyesight problem. They were based all legally blind. They couldn't see. They couldn't see. And and I remember they all became Christians together. This whole three, four teenagers became Christians. And I started doing a Bible study with them. But as I was going through this Bible study with them, I would say, okay, now let's look up this verse. And they would just quote it. Or they would answer these questions right from the Bible. I'm like, how do you remember all this? And they said, once you read something with a magnifying glass, you don't forget it. <laughs> That's the only way they could read the Bible. They had to use a magnifying glass. But they doing that, they were determined not to forget it. Because they didn't, you know, they couldn't read it again. It's hard to see. But once we read the Word of God with a magnifying glass, really study it, we're not going to forget it. We're not going to forget it. Then also we need to, to listen to the Word of God and to meditate on it. Just listen to God speaking to us and meditate on it. Meditate on that one verse for a whole week. Let it really go. And then live it. It's one thing to know it, but we got to live it. we got to make sure we're living that Word of God. Fight and battle and use it to, to, to spiritually to battle and live it out. 
we need to know God's word. We need to absorb it. We need to digest it. The day is coming. We're in the book of Revelation. The day is coming when it will be outlawed. The Bible will be outlawed. It's already been called the most intolerant book in America. It is intolerant. <laughs> God won't tolerate sin. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's because he wants us to live free. He's not trying to take away fun. He was trying to set us free from bondage and lies and, and death and eternity and hell. He's trying to set us free. He knows it's a lie. He knows sin is a lie. And God's word points out that sin is a lie. It's a big lie. It's not going to make us happy. It's going to make us miserable. Only following God's word and his plan for life makes us happy. But but what if there was no Bible? The day is coming when the Bible will be illegal. Mark my words. In the USA, what if there's no Bible? Would you survive spiritually? Is it already in your heart? Are you able to share it with other people? Witness with other people? Help other people? Or do you just have John 3.16 memorized? That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ? Do you know that God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross for us to pay for our sin? And He came back alive to prove He was the Son of God and to give us a brand new life. But we must believe in Him. The word there for believe in the Bible doesn't mean intellectual. It means to believe in your heart. The word actually means faith. It's the word, same word for faith. To put your faith in Jesus Christ. There has to come a time where you say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from that sin. I'm going to follow your word. I believe Jesus died for me. I put my <clears throat> faith in him. I give my life to him. That's the first step to a relationship with God. That's the first step to surviving the book, the book of Revelation, the end times. That's the first step to surviving this life, reaching our potential, reaching our purpose in this life, having true joy, true happiness through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're listening to this and for the first time, you understand your need for Jesus Christ. Your need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Your need to put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, dying in our place, taking our sin, our punishment, so that we could have a brand new life in Jesus Christ, starting this second and going out through all of eternity. Instead of hell on earth and hell in eternity, we can have peace here, joy here, God's purpose here, and eternity with Jesus someday in heaven. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to say, I repent of sin, I turn my back on sin, I walk away from all the garbage and the shame, the lies, the deception, the strongholds, Satan's strongholds. I repent. God, I repent. Just pray. I repent. I ask you to forgive me, God. God, please forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. In your love for me through your Son, Jesus Christ, I'm putting my faith in Him. I believe He died for me. He, came, he lives for me. I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Him.
If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then the Holy Spirit has just come inside of you and set you free. Your life will never be the same. The Word of God won't be dry. It will be on fire for you. It will be alive. It will be sweeter than honey to you. I want to encourage you to let somebody know, a family member or a friend, somebody you know who's a Christian, work colleague, somebody at school, somebody you know who's a Christian, let them know and get connected with them with a good church, a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. And if you need help, email me nhcc at comcast.net. I'll get you connected somewhere. I'll help you. I'll be excited for you and get you connected somewhere so you can really grow. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Is the Word of God sweet to us? Are we digesting it? Are we ready to, sh- to witness with the power of the Word of God and His Holy Spirit? Are, do we, are we ready to witness with it? Are we ready to counsel with it? Are we ready to preach it and speak it? Are we ready to do that? Have we, have we digested the Word of God? Is it in us? Have we lived it? Have we battled with it? Are we willing to be unpopular? Unpopular with the intolerance crowd? We have a choice. We can be popular with the world or we can be popular with Jesus Christ. We have to make that choice. Are you willing to speak the Word of God no matter how unpopular it makes you, knowing that if the Holy Spirit is working in somebody's heart, they will accept it. Yeah, you might get stones thrown by nine people, but that one person who will accept it, who God is drawing, who God is calling. Look what happened with with the the first martyr in, in the New Testament. Stephen was stoned. Stone for sharing about Jesus Christ by religious people. And yet the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time, heard that message and someday turned to Jesus, and later on turned to Jesus Christ. He, he, tell me that he wasn't haunted by the stoning of Stephen, by the words of Stephen, by the powerful message that he preached from the Word. Are you ready to impact people for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be unpopular, speaking the truth and love? Father, I pray that every one of us would be ready. Ready for, ready because we're living it out now and speaking the truth and love now. Willing to be unpopular. That would make us ready for the time of the book of Revelation and living through the, the tribulation, whatever part of it we might have to go through, Lord, before Jesus comes again for us. Lord, I pray that we would be ready for that. Ready for that. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, next time, Revelation chapter 11. And I'll just give you a little hint because it looks exciting. The two witnesses. Woo! You're not going to want to miss this one. The two witnesses. Guess who they are? Can you figure it out? I think we can figure it out biblically who they are. Mystery, but I think we can figure it out. Wait till next time, okay? All right, God bless.